Hello and welcome to the Equine Physio and Rehabilitation Podcast. My name is Dr Gillian Tabor. I'm a chartered physiotherapist and I specialise in the treatment and the rehabilitation of horses. So hopefully you've enjoyed my podcast so far, but behind the scenes I've been working on some other podcasts for Dr David Marlin. Now I work with David on a number of projects and are also part of his membership platform. He has lots of information on there. Uh, I'm not going to give you the hard sell, but for £8 a month, you can watch webinars from him and I, from biomechanists, from vets, from nutritionists to behaviourists. There's a lot of information on there. But actually, he's launched a podcast called Stable Science, and the podcasts that I've recorded for him are available on Spotify. So you can go and have a look at his podcasts that are um, my podcasts as well as others. And there's, a, again, a big range of them. But what that does mean is that I can uh, share the podcast that I've recorded for him as part of my podcast umbrella, if you like. <laughs> it sounds complex, but basically, if you keep listening, uh, you'll hear a podcast on arthrogenic muscle inhibition. And this podcast is about uh, building muscle and why your horse might not be building muscle. And as I said, it was recorded for the Stable Science podcast. Uh, so go and find that on uh, Spotify and obviously all other places that you get your podcasts um, or keep listening. And then I will um, be moving on to discussing AMI. Hello and welcome to this podcast for the Dr. David Barlin members. My name is Dr. Gillian Tabor. I'm a chartered physiotherapist and I specialize in the treatment and the rehabilitation of horses. In this podcast, I want to cover the topic of building muscle in horses, but from a different aspect. If you look on the website, you'll find posts by uh, David about muscle building. So basically, healthy muscle builds in the presence of a decent source of protein. So you have to have the building plot building blocks for developing muscle but also you need to stimulate the muscle development and that is done through actually putting a, a bit of pressure through the muscles so actually working them to the point that they are in what we called overload so you need to actually challenge the system to adapt and that's something that some people don't do. They sort of stay at a low level of work and therefore the body does not respond uh, because it doesn't think that it needs to gain more muscle. What we need to do through any training program is progressively increase that amount of load that we put through the system. So if you think of a human example, if I could do 10 squats um, and uh, if I then do 11, I am tired, I've reached that point that I've overloaded the muscle. But if, you know, later on doing my training pattern, I can do 20 squats or 30 squats without getting tired, I'm not challenging my body. So what I'd need to do is I'd need to increase load. So what I could do is I could hold some weight so that, you know, if I had either a rucksack or I had barbells, dumbbells, something like that, and then I got to the point that actually with that added weight, I could only do eight squats, then I know that I am overloading my body. I could start off with a load of five kilograms and then when that was easy, I would then add you know, some more and do 10 kilos. So you can see that with humans, it's quite easy to consider that aspect of progressive overload to stimulate the adaptation and then the building of muscle bulk. 
In horses, it's slightly more challenging to do because it's not as straightforward as isolating a single muscle and working it and adding load to it. So we have to be a little bit um, constructive with our exercise programs. Now, we know that if you increase speed, you increase the number of muscle fibers that are required to uh, contract. So that's gonna increase load. We also know if you do things like going up hills, you're going to have to work the muscles harder. You change the surface, um, you put a heavier rider on, uh, wear more tack, you go for longer durations. So there's a few factors and variables that we can manipulate to increase the load progressively. So if we're feeding an adequate amount of protein, the right amount of protein, and we are uh, progressively overloading the muscular system, then we should see that the muscles build and therefore the muscle bulk increases. Conversely, if we reduce the amount of exercise, so we put a horse on box rest, or that nutritional intake isn't as good, then we might see that the muscles reduce in size. And this is very, very common if a horse has had an injury uh, and then we are actually uh, mobilizing it. And the same, you know, we, we've seen in research with people, we put them on bed rest or we put their arm in a cast and we see that the muscles waste away. So there's a clear link between the amount of activity that we do and the muscle size. What complicates this is that in some horses, they just won't build muscle. The client is fe feeding them correctly. Uh, they have had nutritional advice and um, they think that they're doing the right amount of exercise. They're increasing the activity and there are areas of the body where the horse is not developing muscle. Now, quite commonly, uh, people are looking to build the top line of the horse. And when we mean top line, we are talking about the uh, paxial muscles, so the muscles that sit above the spine. So we want that nice sort of arched neck shape. We want muscle in the saddle area that uh, allows us to be able to sit a saddle on comfortably, not too much of a sharp profile. You know, when you've sort of got a horse that doesn't have muscle there, it almost looks like they've got a, a shark fin where their withers are. And then you can see the shelf of the ribs uh, and you can see that either side of the spine is quite concave. In a horse that doesn't have top line in the lumbar region, you can see the tips of those spinous processes and they look like they are convex. So they curve upwards, which can be um, sort of an area of concern. And then in the area before the hunter's bump, the, the tubus acrali of the pelvis, you end up with a dip in that area. And then the hindquarter muscles just drop away. So we look at, we're looking to build those muscles and, and develop the top line in the horse. So why might it not develop? Well, you can imagine that if a horse is not using those muscles, then they won't actually build. And this could be the case if the horse is working in a, a poor posture, if they are in an inverted position, or in some horses we see that they overuse their forehand, they pull themselves along and they don't generate enough force from their hindquarters. And you see that um, the muscles around the front of the chest are really big, well-developed, the muscles on the base of the neck, so the brachiocephalic sternocephalic are again bulging uh, and then we don't get uh, development of the muscles of the top line. So how the horse works is one key area as to why they don't develop top line. But the purpose of this podcast is to talk about another area called arthrogenic muscle inhibition, AMI. And what that means in layman's terms is that there is a reason from the joints that the muscles are switched off and not working. 
When we have joint injury, what happens is we get a change in the neurological input from that region. So that is called afferent activity. And we have seen it in people that you get an increase in the afferent activity if you have a problem with the knee and that actually switches off the quadriceps. Now, switches off, not 100% because obviously they do work. But if we're looking to recruit them to uh, switch them on to develop muscle, we need as many of those muscle fibers to work as possible. But if you have swelling in your knee for whatever reason, you know, maybe you've damaged the ligaments within it, or um, maybe there is some osteoarthritis that is creating some inflammation in the joint, we then actually get this loop through the nervous system that then uh, inhibits some of those muscle fibers. That then causes the muscle to be weak because it can't perform to a good enough level and that then creates a repetitive cycle of not using it, therefore it becomes more weaker and therefore you get atrophy, so you get wasting away of the muscle fibres that are there. That then predisposes to more injury of the joint because the, the joint is not supported so much. So you can see that we're in uh, this cycle. The, the arthrogenic muscle inhibition, so the sensory input, comes from uh, receptors around the area that has been damaged, so mechanoreceptors and from uh, proprioceptors as well as from the free nerve endings. So the sensory fibres from these enter the dorsal horn of the spinal cord and they connect with the interneurons that are in there um, within the matter of the spinal cord. Normally, these interneurons actually uh, control either the amount of uh, signal going through the motor nerves uh, in uh, excitation or they inhibit it. So these interneurons switch on or switch off the output from the spinal cord. So you can get what we call pre and postsynaptic inhibition. So in presynaptic inhibition, we get a decrease in the neurotransmitter that is released from the presynaptic terminal. And in postsynaptic inhibition, you get the release of the inhibitory neurotransmitter. And you might have heard of the um, neurotransmitter called GABA, G-A-B-A. Um, that, that's um, quite talked about quite a lot in um, human studies. But GABA binds to the sites in, those po in the postsynaptic membranes. And normally it should open the ion channels which depolarize it and um, we end up with the reduced ability to generate an action potential down that motor nerve so therefore you get a change in that uh, arc of the neurology from the sensory system out through the motor nerves that means that you get less motor fibers firing so motor neuron pool recruitment which then leads to less force being able to be generated by the uh, muscle and that then leads to atrophy. In humans this is quite easy to measure because you can measure the voluntary force that's being produced either before or after injury or you can get you can compare say your left quads with your right quads and we can also do it with some complex measuring devices that actually measure sort of signals the EMG and also the Hoffman reflexes so you can stimulate and measure the effect but we struggle to do that in horses unfortunately so it's a little bit subjective as to where we think we've got muscle muscle weakness because of disuse atrophy where it's not being used or because we've got this uh, AMI. One of the um, 
obvious signs of AMI is in a horse that has got the pathology kissing spines and you see real wastage of the apaxial muscles so the longissimus dorsi and the uh, thoracic trapezius the iliocostalis and spinalis muscles that sit in that saddle region and you get the horse as I was describing earlier with this sort of shark fin a real sharp profile to their thoracic spine concavity in the muscles either side of the spine and this sort of shelf-like appearance where you can see the top of the ribs as they come in and then run horizontally into the um, thoracic vertebrae and um, you're also going to get pain through those muscles as well because if you've got weak muscles they're going to have to work extra extra hard which means that they in themselves might be painful as a result. We also see it in horses that have sacroiliac pathology or um, issues in that lumbar sacral region and that's been documented in the literature you see either asymmetry through the muscle or you certainly see atrophy or wastage of the muscle in the hind quarters so the pain itself is what is triggering this arthrogenic muscle inhibition so without managing the pain you're not going to be able to uh, change anything to do with that muscle bulk we know in human studies that you get um, inhibition of the multifidus muscle in patients that have chronic low back pain and it is quite marked in the levels and the regions that uh, you have that low back pain and what we know because in humans we've got some studies that use functional MRI uh, scans and they show that you get reorganization of the muscle representation in the motor cortex in those people that have recurrent uh, low back pain and we actually consider that this is going to be very likely to happen in horses as well so you actually have to manage the pain you have to actually take away the region for this the reason for this muscle inhibition before we can start actually uh, changing the um, activation of that the muscles in that area because otherwise we're just going to get this cycle which actually prohibits muscle voluntary muscle contraction especially of the multifidus so in humans we've shown that if you treat the back pain say with facet joint injections or spinal surgery and then rehab the people you get restoration of the normal brain anatomy and function so if we take this to our horse if we've had the pain treated either conservatively or um, surgically then if we can rehab the horse then hopefully we're going to restore the normal neurological function which is then going to try and uh, restore normal um, muscle function in that region as well so Basically, it's something that we need to consider as well as the protein and the exercise level. Have we got inhibition of the muscles because we have got pain? So if you are doing everything you can and you are still not getting muscle development, I think we do need to consider whether there is inhibition um, due to um, pain, either that you can easily measure or some subclinical pain. I've got some clients that have had horses that have been diagnosed with lumbar facet disease and when we have had that treated then all of a sudden we get a, a change in the muscle development. I've had clients that have had what they would say you know normal thoroughbreds that they can't put weight on and then they have treatment for kissing spines and then you have a horse that literally sort of blossoms in front of you within the few months following surgery.
So not wishing to uh, sound too negative or to scare you, but if you, as I said, if you've got problems with muscle development, um, I think you need to look a little bit more than into the nutrition of the horse or into um, the, the workload that you're doing, especially if you are doing everything that you possibly can uh, and you're not getting any change in the muscle. So uh, start to consider whether you've got any arthrogenic muscle inhibition. So if you have any questions or you want to uh, discuss this further, then please do either in the Facebook group or via the email to the uh, Dr. David Marlin team and I'll be happy to talk about it more. But thank you for listening and um, I look forward to speaking to you in my next podcast for the Dr. David Marlin members.